our loved ones are going to live again in the flesh. That is amazing. It sounds like a fairy tale to the world. And I'd probably be like the Sadducees and the Corinthians and the Gnostics if it wasn't for the fact that I believe that on the third day, my Savior rose again from the dead. You're listening to the Holy Joys Sermon Podcast. Visit us at holyjoys.org to find more resources for a holy, happy church. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 28, and going to be beginning a two-part series on the resurrection of Christ. This morning, we're going to look at the hope that because Jesus has risen from the dead, we will rise also. A resurrected Christ means resurrected bodies. And we're going to look especially at how that gives us hope and comfort for our loved ones who have passed away. I'm going to have you stand one more time this morning uh, for the reading of God's Word in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15 and the whole letter of 1 Corinthians, to address pastoral problems. And in chapter 15, Paul introduces 
the issue that he's facing with this congregation. There were some of the Corinthians who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Now, Paul here is not talking about the event of the resurrection of Jesus. They claimed to believe in that. What they didn't believe in is that at the end of the age, when Jesus returns, the bodies of the dead will be raised from their graves. We were just at a cemetery, and I've been at many cemeteries. I've been at Arlington. Think of all those tombstones. Picture that in your mind. Now imagine the ground shaking and the tombs opening and every person's body rising up from the grave in perfect condition, free from decay. This is the kind of earth-shaking, apocalyptic event that Paul is talking about when he speaks of the resurrection of the dead. It's sometimes called the general resurrection or the universal resurrection. There were people in Corinth who heard about that and just said, no way, that is not going to happen. There is no resurrection of the dead. You know, Jesus also encountered people who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. A Jewish a sect or religious group or party known as the Sadducees. In Matthew 22, the Sadducees try to trap Jesus as they often did. They ask him a question. They're trying to get him tangled up in his, in his words. But Jesus says, you are wrong. Sometimes there's just no other way to say it. You are wrong. Because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. There's two reasons Jesus said that they denied the resurrection of the dead. First of all, they didn't know the Scriptures. They didn't know their Bibles. The other reason is that they didn't know the power of God. If you really believe that God created this world out of nothing, that He is the almighty, supreme ruler of the universe, then it is small potatoes for God to raise people from the dead. And so at the root of disbelief in the resurrection is disbelief in the power of God. A lack of faith in His ability to raise people from the dead. Jesus said, as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And Jesus sees there also an anticipation that as they lived before God in the flesh, they would eternally live before Him in resurrected bodies. Jesus sides with the Pharisees, who did believe in the resurrection, against the Sadducees. This problem which was present at Corinth, which was present in the Jewish world with the Sadducees, was also present in the early church age. One of the first heresies that the Christian church encountered was called Gnosticism. We talked about that a little bit on a Wednesday night. And very simply, they believed that the spirit was good and the flesh was bad. And so the goal of the Christian life was just get out of the body. The body is corrupt. It has all these desires and passions that lead us astray. And so they believed that flesh, matter, physical stuff of this earth was bad and we wanted to get out of that and our our eternal souls would go up to heaven and live in the realm of the Spirit with God forever. And that was the goal of the Christian life. And of course, that's a heresy because God created matter and He called it very good. 
And Jesus became matter by taking on human flesh and blood. So Gnosticism strikes right at the heart of the gospel, the good news that Jesus has risen bodily to restore physical creation. While most Christians today do not deny the resurrection of the dead, like the Corinthians, like the Sadducees, or like the Gnostics, many focus almost entirely on the salvation of never-dying souls to the neglect of the Christian hope of the resurrection of the body. They imagine their eternal existence as something less than fully physical. I'd encourage you sometime to Google the word heaven. It's very interesting what comes up on Google images when you Google the word heaven. You'll see this kind of ethereal city on a cloud, semi-translucent, with these people who have bodies, but they're kind of ghostly. They're, they're, they're illuminated, and you can kind of see through them like you could just stick your hand through them, kind of like a ghost. They're not physical. They're more like holograms than flesh and blood bodies with hearts and livers and kidneys. Now, I know that right now, of course, our loved ones are, do not yet have their resurrection bodies, but these pictures are often depicting the end of the age and what will happen in eternity. And, and the people there are not depicted as having physical bodies like we have now, but as having these kind of translucent ghostly bodies. I would suggest to you this morning that we need to recover a lost truth taught in Scripture, a truth that's confessed in the Apostles' Creed when we say, I believe the resurrection of the body, that our eternal existence is fully physical. Jesus showed us how to think about eternal things when he rose in a body that could eat fish. They could touch his side and put their fingers and see his scars and his wounds. He was in his glorified body, the same body after which Paul says our bodies are going to be fashioned. We're going to live eternally in bodies like Jesus' body, able to eat, able to be touched, physical, like now only much, much better. And there is no better place, I think, to start recovering this wonderful doctrine then in 1 Corinthians 15, which is often called the resurrection chapter. 1 Corinthians 15 is, is best known probably for talking about the resurrection of Jesus. In those opening verses, it's a matter of first importance that he rose on the third day, that he appeared to many. But the majority of the chapter is about the resurrection of the dead at the end of the age. Paul is saying that the resurrection of Jesus secures our resurrection. He makes the ultimate case for the resurrection of the dead. Jesus rose. And the resurrection of Jesus settles the question of whether or not there will be a resurrection of the dead at the end of the age. So the idea is simply this. A resurrected Christ means resurrected bodies. First of all, Paul argues that the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead are inseparable. To deny one is to deny the other. Now, it makes sense to say that if Jesus didn't rise, if you deny the resurrection of Jesus, you're going to deny the resurrection of the dead at the end of the age. But Paul goes the other way around. And he says, if you deny the resurrection, 
The same reasons that will lead you to deny that will lead you to deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The two cannot be separated. And in verses 13 to 19, Paul just goes through a litany of devastating consequences for denying the resurrection of the dead. I want to note here that what we believe has serious consequences. Theology matters. Paul could have just said, well, you know, they might not really believe in this resurrection of the dead at the end of the age, but, you know, they believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and they believe he died on the cross, and their sins are forgiven, and that's all that really matters, right? And Paul says, no. He says, if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, that has consequences that go far beyond what you could ever imagine. By doing that, you end up unraveling the entire Christian faith. I've used this illustration that, that the Christian faith is like a beautiful tapestry, where if you pull on one thread, the whole thing moves. And he says, if you take out the thread of the resurrection of the dead, you're going to unravel the whole Christian faith. Until our sins aren't forgiven, Jesus didn't rise, we have no hope, your faith is futile, we're liars. He just goes on and on with the consequences of such a belief. Beliefs have consequences. One of those consequences, Paul says, is that we have no hope for our loved ones who have died in Christ. We have a hope in this life only. You know what's interesting? Paul says if our loved ones aren't going to rise from the dead bodily, we have no hope for them. In other words, there is only one hope that Christianity offers, and that is an embodied hope. If our loved ones live as just merely spiritual beings without any flesh and blood for eternity, Paul says that is a hopeless existence because that is not to be fully human. God did not create us to be floating around as souls, immaterial and invisible. He created us from the very beginning to be in a body. And Paul says a future without a body is no future at all. Now, in the intermediate state, we are with the Lord. That is far better, right? To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. They're, they're comforted at Christ's presence, but they're awaiting something more. They're awaiting the resurrection of their bodies. And so because we confess that on the third day, he rose again, we also confess, I believe, the resurrection of the body. The resurrection of Jesus is the beginning of something new that God is doing in the world. It is the first fruits of the general resurrection, the beginning of the raising of all flesh. Does anyone here have produce? I knew people that grew apples, had a little apple orchard. Well, when it's picking season, it's time to, to pick the harvest. You go out maybe on some brisk fall morning, and you know it's about that time, and you grab an apple off the tree, and it looks good, but you're a little nervous. Is it going to taste good? Did you have a good harvest? And you bite into it, and if it's crisp, and if it's sweet, you look up, and there's this sea of apples or corn or whatever your produce is, and you have confidence that there is a beautiful harvest to follow. Your eyes are looking forward. And as Christians, we have tasted of the resurrection of Jesus and found it crisp and sweet. We have experienced the resurrection power in our lives. 
And his resurrection from the dead is the first fruits. It's the guarantee that a sea of bodies will be raised. Revelation says the sea will give up their dead. And the graves will give up their dead. It's the beginning. It's the first domino that sets off a chain reaction that brings to life the bodies of all who have died and are buried in the grave. It's the first fruits. Paul says it in verses 20 and 23. The resurrection of Jesus is much more than a historical event to which we look back. It is a historical event that causes us to look forward. Everything depends on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. By his resurrection, Jesus shows that he has freed our human nature, body and soul, from the power of death, guaranteeing us that all the dead will rise. And as the church, our eyes should be looking forward in happy anticipation for the resurrection harvest that is to come. Salvation is not just spiritual. It is also physical. I shared this story on Wednesday night. Some of you are hearing some of this again because we've already expounded the the resurrection in our study of the Apostles' Creed. But I once talked to a a college professor whose mom asked him over a, it was like winter break or something. Maybe it was Easter break. That would make more sense. I don't recall. But they asked, you know, why did Jesus have to rise from the dead? I mean, he paid for our sins on the cross why was the resurrection necessary for our salvation? Now that's very revealing, isn't it? Because what it shows is that they're thinking about salvation as only the forgiveness of sins that we've committed in our souls. It's about our sins being forgiven, the blood being applied, that our souls can be saved. But salvation for them has nothing to do with the physical body. And so what does the resurrection of Jesus' body have to do with salvation as well. But N.T. Wright said, God does not save us as souls. He saves us as wholes. He doesn't save us only as souls, but he saves us as wholes, body and soul. God created our body and our soul, a unity, a perfect unity, and he saves us that way as well. The resurrection of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, secures the salvation of our bodies which had become subject to death through the sin of the first Adam. When the apostles preached the gospel, the good news about Jesus, Acts 4.2 says they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. That's an incredible verse. The apostles are going out into the world. They've been commissioned to share the good news. And what do they go around telling people? The dead are going to rise because of Jesus. That's the good news. Is the resurrection of the dead still central to our preaching of the gospel? Or have we made the gospel too small? There's a book that says your God is too small. And sometimes I think our gospel is too small. God's not just saving us as souls. He's not just forgiving our sins, although that is incredibly glorious. Because if you're like me, and you can remember the sins you've committed, and think about the shame and the the embarrassment of those sins, 
It is a wonderful, wonderful thing to know that because of the blood of Jesus on the cross, those sins can be washed away. I would never downplay that. What I'm saying, though, is it's even bigger than that. It's not just our souls, but it's our bodies that are going to be raised. And as a church, let's hold fast to the gospel that the apostles preached, teaching and proclaiming in Christ the resurrection from the dead. The gospel is not just good news for never dying souls. It's good news for our bodies, which will be raised nevermore to die. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, God raised up the Lord and will raise us also by His power. Finally, the resurrection of the body is what gives us hope for our loved ones who have died in Christ. Paul writes, if Christ has not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, the dead in Christ, they've perished. But since Christ has been raised, we have hope that our loved ones who died in Christ will forever live with God in the world to come. You know, I remember my grandpa John, he's like my best friend. I was sitting out uh, on the recliner, his chair, Pap's chair, and all of a sudden my grandma comes running out. Your grandpa's having chest pains. The ambulance came and I went in the ambulance with him and it was just like that he was gone, just out of nowhere. He was gone. And I remember at the funeral, it rocked me around. I, it really rocked me around. For a while, I was just angry at God and so frustrated. And I remember at, his, remember at his funeral, the casket was there and it was open and his body was laying there and somebody came up and they met well, they met well. But they said to my grandma, now that's just a shell. That's just a shell. The real him is up in heaven with God. And I'll never forget what she said. Well, it might just be a shell, but it's the shell that I hugged and loved all these years. I wrote an article on this one time, and, and what inspired it is I was changing Adam's diaper when he was just a little baby, and he, he, just, he just started talking, and he stuck his feet up in the air, and he said, feet, feet. And I grabbed his little foot, and I kissed it, and I said, I love your feet. I love all of you. And we love somebody. We love... It's a physical, it's embodied. We hug them, we touch them, we kiss them. And to be at a Christian funeral and say, oh, that's just a shell. What really matters is their soul. That's cheap comfort. And it is not the Christian hope. The Christian hope is, I believe in the resurrection of the body. The Christian hope is, do you know that because Jesus rose again, your loved one is going to rise. And that same body which you knew and touched, you're going to get to touch it again. You're going to get to hug them and you're going to get to walk with them and maybe hold hands with them. I know in the age to come, Jesus said that we're not given in marriage. But I still believe that when you spent your life with somebody, a loved one, a spouse, there's going to be a special bond there that's never taken away. We see that when Jesus rose from the dead, how he still had that special bond with his disciples. Christian hope is that their body is going to be raised. Yes, it's going to be transformed. Yes, it's going to be free from sickness and pain and, and, and harm and, and decay. And, and it's going to probably be more beautiful than we ever knew them. You know what? Our loved ones are going to live again in the flesh. That is amazing. It sounds like a fairy tale to the world. And I'd probably be like the Sadducees and the Corinthians and the Gnostics 
If it wasn't for the fact that I believe that on the third day, my Savior rose again from the dead. And if God can raise the body of Jesus, it's small potatoes for him to raise your loved ones. And my grandpa is going to live and I'm going to walk and talk with him. And your children, if they've passed away, or your spouses, if they've passed away, or your loved ones, whoever they are, members of this church who knew the Lord and have gone on to be with Him and are present with Him and being comforted in His right hand, there's a day coming when there's something more, not just a ghostly spiritual existence, but a fully physical existence as real as the physical body of Jesus He ate fish with his disciples on the seashore. He cooked them breakfast. He ate bread and drank wine with the disciples in Emmaus. And we're going to eat at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I don't think that's a metaphor. And we're going to enjoy it in physical, resurrected bodies. Let's proclaim the resurrection of the dead in Jesus Christ this morning. It is central to our hope as Christians. I believe the resurrection of the body. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to conquer death by death. Christ is risen from the grave, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. Give us, grant us that great hope. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Thank you for listening to the Holy Joy Sermon Podcast. Our labors for a holy, happy church are supported by generous listeners like you. Please pray about partnering with us at holyjoys.org forward slash donate.